Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just keep our hearts fixed in that posture of worship. Because I don't know about you, like, uh, when I, when I need a breakthrough, it seems like miles away. You know, like when you're in the midst of it and you need, and you're like crying out like, Lord, I need a breakthrough. I mean, I don't know about you and maybe it's just me, but it feels like forever away. Like it'll never come. And then you get breakthrough and um, it's like, oh my gosh, you, you've, you learned so much in that process and breakthrough comes like in a moment. And then, and this is kind of like a confession, there's somewhat of an insensitive feeling like when others are still pressing in and waiting for their breakthrough, you're like, no man, breakthrough's here, let's get into it, you know? Well, they're in it, like they're in it. You know, I was just in it and you get breakthrough and then, but the Lord is, is, is moving, the Lord, I was up here yesterday just spending some time with the Lord. Let me do this first. Jesus, Lord, help me. Thank you for your love this morning, Lord. Let's just receive the love of the Father that's just right now is being poured out upon us. Like the, there's this oil of love that is just from the tops of your head to the bottoms of your feet. And I, I believe that you could even begin to just feel the warmth in the fire of his love being poured out upon you right now. Just let it saturate into the deepest places of your heart. Let it touch your insecurities. Let it just touch your wounds, your, your rejections, your abandonments, whatever it might be this morning that you know that you need the love of the Father to touch. Let it pour into that place right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your angels in this place this morning, Lord. Ministering flames of fire, Lord, sent to help those who are to inherit salvation. We certainly don't worship angels, but it would be silly for us to ignore them as well. So Lord, we thank you for their presence, Lord, for their assistance in, in giving you glory, for furthering the kingdom of God, for the advancement of the gospel, Lord, for the breakthroughs, for the victories. We thank you that you are the Lord of hosts. You are the Lord of angel armies, God, and that we are surrounded. Listen, there are more for us than there are against us. Lord, I pray that that you would open our eyes this morning, Lord, that we would see that there are more for us than against us. Lord, let the eyes of our heart look around the hills around us and see the armies, the warrior of God, the captain, the king of hosts, the king of glory. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. It is the Lord of hosts. God is with us. I was up here yesterday just spending some time with the Lord and I just heard him say, I am with you. I am with you. 
And usually that would kind of for me to almost seem like a cliche thing to say, but there was something different on it. There was, there was this confidence that, that dropped into my heart like, wait, God is with me? I know he's in me and I know that I am in him, but, but you mean to say he is with me and God is with you. God is with us as a fellowship. God is with us as a nation. And if there was any time in history that God would have chose not to be with us, I would think it would have been probably 50 years ago when there was a bill signed into law to legalize abortion. And he still at that moment did not choose to leave us nor forsake us. And we can thank the Lord for his justice and his mercy on our nation. We can thank the Lord for his judgment on our nation because it was aimed at everything that interfered with his love. We can be thankful for the anger of God that was aimed at. It's not aimed at us, it's aimed for us. You understand is it was aimed at the things that separated us from him. So we can praise and listen and let us boast in what God is doing in the land and let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For although he may have used men to work it out, it was his plan, his purpose, his sovereign word to come forth in such a time as this, that we would see this curse lifted off of our land, that we would see this breakthrough in this victory We don't know yet what it looks like to live, you know, wow, with an open heaven. And not that there wasn't before, but it was just like when Daniel set his face to pray and fast for 21 days. The Lord tells Daniel, uh, he says, listen, from the first day that you set your heart and your face to pray, angels were released. He says, but they were held up for 21 days by the Prince of Persia. Can you imagine for 50 years, the prayers, the intercession, the fragrance that has gone up to the Father in the bowls that had been poured out already on day one for 50 years, day one, they were poured out. And because of the powers and the principalities and the wickedness and the, 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 the spirits and the evil spirits in the air, what was held up? Can you imagine the release that is coming for the people of God? On day one, they were poured out. <laughs> Imagine it as a rain cloud from heaven collecting all of it. Can you hear the rain? Can you hear the thunder in the land? The victory cries of however many, let's call it a hundred million murdered babies. Can you hear the voice, the, the thunderous praise and glory that took place in heaven on that day? When that ruling was overturned, can you hear the thundering in the earth of breakthrough, of victory? It, it has been worth the wait. It has been worth the pressing, the crying out, the travail. It will not stop. You understand it? it, it God has already, it, it says in the word that the lamb was slain. 
before the foundations of the earth. That means that God's word, as, it's, it's as good as if it's already done when he speaks it. So therefore, we can consider the things, the promises, the prophetic utterances, the declarations that have gone up and have come down. We can consider it as good as already done. And we can begin to posture our hearts right now to receive. Rick sends out a text message this week. And it said, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the fullness of the Spirit. That word fullness in the Greek, it means continually being filled. And I'm not saying we're not going to go through seasons and times, but something has been broken off of our nation that is going to allow us to continually be filled over and over and over again from breakthrough to breakthrough, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. There's a great contrast in the scriptures between the righteous and the wicked. God has drawn a clear line of what it is for the righteous and for the wicked. And for the righteous, we are going to begin to see the blessing, the favor of God that is unstoppable, can't stop, won't stop. As we continue to just fix, does it mean that we don't have to continue to fast and pray and press in? No, what it means is that which held up and, and contended with our prayers on, on such a high level of warfare. Can you imagine, can you imagine there being such an open heaven over your life? Lord, I pray for breakthrough and breakthrough happens like right now. Lord, I want victory in this area of my life and victory actually happens right now. Like praying, Lord, and just barely leaning in, turning our hearts towards the Father and instantly gone, just caught up with Him. God is with us. God is with you. And we can walk in this confidence of knowing that he will never leave me. He will never leave you. And I'm not saying that the things that we are going to see take place. I'm not saying, whoa, I turned really far away. Wow, I'm not, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> whoa. I'm glad you guys love me. I know you love me. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
because not only is it time for breakthrough, but it's time for payback. And this is like the real justice of God. It's not like, you know, the bully on the playground finally gets his head smashed in the mud. Although that's great to see. And we will see our enemies before our face. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, I think it's verse six or seven. It says, let me flip there really quickly because I don't want, I don't want to uh, misread it. It says this, verse seven, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. And when I read that, I was, I, I think it was last time I shared, I may have made the comment of, you know, over the last couple of years, we may never fully understand. Uh, I almost was looking at it through the lens of like the consequences of the last two years. And that would have been true, but suddenly something has happened in our land. You know, that would have been true, but God. And I guess I wasn't, I had the hope of there being a suddenly, of there being a breakthrough, but I'm sure Phyllis put it perfectly yesterday and I'm, I'm glad somebody, um, like when you said it, it, it put words to how I felt. But man, what a roller coaster ride. Like my emotions were just a wreck. Like, I mean, I could be doing great and literally with the very next thought that came in, like just crashed. And I don't know about you guys, but that was taxing on me. And, and not that it makes it any different, but especially if, you know, all of you prophetic people, man, you really feel that you, you carry that. And if we aren't careful, we become that, you know, like you could take that on as an identity. And now you're just, you're kind of being led by your emotions or what you're going through really determines how you feel. And, but suddenly something has happened. And it says this, man, what, what, I mean, uh, thinking, Lord, you are your infinite wisdom to allow us to see our enemies rise up against us only to see them fall and be defeated before our face. Like that's the promise. Yes, they rose up, but, but you know, there's almost another verse, always another verse. And the next verse says that we will see them defeated before our face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Say for instance, it was one way that the enemy was able to come into this land through abortion being legalized. Well, now he has to go out seven ways. That means that there's going to be at least seven different arenas of our life that are gonna be able to be touched, blessed, the glory of God poured out on because the enemy is fleeing because of the one way he came in. I pray that in my lifetime, I never allow myself to slip into realizing that what God has done in overturning Roe versus Wade, and I know it comes down to the different state. I'm talking about on a federal level, we are going to be able to see God touch areas that we never thought that we, there would be real justice. 
we're going to be able to see that. And there's going to be multiple uh, avenues and, and roads now that we are going to see. How about this? What if for every cent that was ever poured into an abortion, all of that wealth that has been from the wicked stored up for the righteous released in the earth? What if for every child that was aborted and murdered in his mother's womb, seven come into the kingdom of God? We're expecting a one billion soul harvest. If there was, if there was one, billion, or one million babies aborted and seven come into the kingdom, we're talking 700 million just through that avenue alone. Like, I pray that this never gets dull in my heart of what God has done in the land. He is with us and he is for us. Jesus, if you guys could turn with me to Amos chapter five. Is that New or Old Testament? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get him out of here. Get this guy out of here, take his mic. <laughs> Take his mic. Stupid joke, stupid joke. <laughs> joy, Lord, thank you for joy. Whew, Jesus, man, Brant, dude, I just, I just, I just feel the Lord. Man, he wants you to know that he is so proud of you. Man, I just, whoa. The things that you have said no to, like you have laid your life down. Like the Bible says, man, no greater love than this is for when you lay your life down for your friend. And I tell you what, man, I don't know of too many people who have laid their life down. The way you do, the love that you have, dude, I'm blessed by your life. Thank you, and thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. And what God brings into your life, you know, most people are gonna see what God, listen, you have been so faithful with, with what men may call little. And because you've been faithful, God is gonna entrust you with much. And, and people are going to look at you and they're going to say, man, if I were you, this is what I would do. But you're going to say this, no, man, that's not what my father has for me. And I'm telling you, man, the, the breakthrough and the increase, not just funny, I'm, I'm, I'm going to allow the Lord to bring it as he wills. But you're going to be able to so humbly as you already do, and you're just going to be able to just give God glory and all the honor and all the praise and the increase. I don't know why I'm hearing this. The increase of your name will never stop. Even as you enter into heaven, the increase of your name, brother, will never stop. So I bless you, man. I love you. Amos 5, verse 24 says this, 
but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. And this was the prophetic word that the Lord had just spoke to my heart about what we're going to see. And I, I just, I read this verse and, and um, I just love how the Lord allows the word to come alive to us. You know, like, have you ever just read a passage of scripture or even one verse and you know it by heart? And then like you read it one day and you're like, wait a minute, it says this? You know, like there's like these words that just jump off the page. But let justice run down like water. And I just kind of stopped on that. I'm like, Lord, why would you liken justice to water? Like, how is justice going to run down like water? And he just shows me, a, he shows me a picture of him pouring a pitcher of water into, into different vessels. And he's like, what do you see? And I'm like, Lord, well, they take the form of everything you put it in. He says, yeah, my justice is going to run down like water. You see, there's areas, whether it be in your heart, in your life, in our, in our church family, in our nation, that we never thought that real justice would come. But when his justice runs down like water, it gets into everything that he pours it into. It actually takes the shape of that. So it's no longer just, um, you can look at the water as the same thing as the thing it fills it. You understand? It like becomes one with whatever it's put into. The justice of God is going to become one with everything that he decides to pour it into. He shows me that we have laid a foundation. This is a, this, uh, and if you guys ever have any questions, like of anything I say, or it's like, dude, that was weird. Just talk, like, don't leave here with being like, that guy's weird and I don't know what he's talking about. Just come and we'll talk and we'll, we'll work it out. But we all build foundations, right? We all lay a foundation in my core beliefs, in my marriage. And you know what I'm saying? Like all the way up and all the way into our nation, there's foundations laid. Men come in, whether it be our own thought processes all the way up until our, our government, men come in and they lay foundations of lies, of deceit, of... And the Lord showed me that there is the word that has gone forth in the land, the, this, even just this overturning again, has been such a blow to the enemy's foundation. It is now cracked open in places where other, uh, other substances other than water would never make it through the cracks. We are going to be able to see this cracked, flawed foundation get flooded, permeated with the justice of God. It says it flows down like water. It is going to make its way into places that men never thought it could get to. And then it's going to fill things that men never thought could be filled. Then it says this, in righteousness, like a mighty stream. I was like, Lord, why would you liken righteousness to a mighty stream? And he shows me this, this rushing stream, this rushing water. And then he shows me like giant boulders in this water. See, it's gonna be like the smaller, the smaller, when I'm saying, I'm saying obstacles, okay? When I say boulders, I'm referring to obstacles. I'm referring to uh, the schemes and the plans of the enemy that are still going to be thrown into the stream. 
You understand, they're still going to try to throw something into the streams to stop the flow. Can't stop, won't stop. God is moving. Can't stop, won't stop. God is with us. And as the streams flow, imagine it, small stones get thrown in. All they do is just get washed away. They have zero influence. So what I'm saying is, let us get into a, a presence. Let us get into the stream to where the small insignificant lies of the enemy that are thrown into the stream of my life have zero influence, washed away by what I know to be true, washed away by the presence and the glory and the, and the breakthrough and the favor and the freedom and the liberty on my life. Let those small insignificant quarrels between us just be simply washed away like stones in a mighty stream. And if that's not enough, if that's not enough to try to throw boulders, huge obstacles in, in our stream, well, the amazing thing about a, a, a mighty stream is that, it, that water is going to go right around. It is going to find its way right around that obstacle and it's going to keep on going as though it never had an obstacle in the first place. If I am a hundred yards down river and there's one obstacle in the stream, by the time the water gets to me, I probably don't realize that something tried to stop it up the way. They could do and say, the enemy can, listen, if we will get in, if we will recognize that something has shifted, if I could get in, you know, like, because what we drink matters and how we drink matters. Right, so we could, I, I thought about this image the other day, Gideon's army. And, and you know, we know the story of how the two different teams or two different camps or groups of people drank. And I'm thinking, Lord, what would really, now I don't know, maybe you guys have a better revelation on this than I do, but I just saw it play out in front of me. And I'm just thinking the importance and, and I've gone through times when I did not know how uh, thirsty I was until I started to drink. You know, like until I took that drink in of the Lord, I did not realize how dying of thirst I really was. What we drink and how we drink matters. And we see that in Gideon's army and and I just had the thought of what if we are all at the same pool? And I had this like, you know, just, a, just thinking about what it could possibly be like on that day. Maybe it was a hot day, no wind, the water was calm. And we know that the group of people that bent down and, and it says like what lapped it up like a dog. And we have the, the group of people who cupped it up and kind of kept their eyes up on the land. I thought if I got down to drink the water lap it up like a dog, what would be the last thing that I would see before I got a drink? And it would be the reflection of myself in the water. And I don't want a drink of me. I try drinking of me and I end up more thirsty than what I was before. But what if there's something in how I drink? Am I looking at the things that aren't going right or the prophetic words that aren't coming? To, am I trying to drink out of that? Or am I lifting my head up and getting my eyes off of myself and looking at the Lord across? I mean, I can imagine them being vigilant, you know, like let us, let, let me Lord look out over the land expecting not to see just an enemy coming at me, but I also wanna be prepared and be postured to see the glory of the Lord approaching. 
the rider on, the, on a white horse with the name, you know, faithful and true down his leg. I, I wanna see my, my king coming over the hills and I don't wanna be looking at myself trying to get a drink when I know, man, I could be just, I could be, I could actually be satisfied in the longings of my heart, not just in getting a drink, but how I'm drinking. And I don't wanna be focused on any longer. And I feel like that's part of the, the curse that's been broken off of our land. Like, if I really see what God has done, what can't he do? If I see this over our nation, I mean, we are talking guys, and I don't know if you've studied it or I know Robin Bullock has great teachings about Molech and all of this. And I don't know if you guys know, but man, twisted. I mean, it's like, twisted what they would do and how they would offer up sacrifice. I mean, we're talking like starting fires in golden images and letting children burn in their bellies. And, and what, the hands were out and it would get hot and they would lay a baby on its hands and basically like cook it to death. And then they throw it in the belly of this golden, I mean, wild stuff. This is what, you know, I'm not mocking it because I'm sure there were there's no excuses, but it's just a very serious thing and a, and a very serious false God that we saw broken off of our nation. And it matters. And there's going to be a clarity that is able to come to us. And, you know, it's almost like uh, we, can no we, can, we can be able to be no longer concerned with what the enemy is trying to do. There's going to be, um, I don't want to even say very clear lines in the sand. Um, for me, sometimes um, I can be very critical, I guess. You know, I, I could easily slip into a religious spirit and um, a religious way of thinking. Um, and it's easy for me to start to point out and say what's wrong and, and uh, what isn't right and all of these things. But I, I feel like part of the breakthrough for us is we are able to see so much of what God is doing. We don't really have to be concerned with what the enemy is trying to do. Flip with me to um, Psalm chapter one, please. Rick said it uh, during worship and as Christians, um, you know, I always wondered why Paul would tell Timothy, um, I'll, and I'll get the Psalm here in a second. I always wondered why Paul would tell Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. Like, um, I've tried to fight against a lot of things only to find myself kind of doing the thing that I was fighting against not wanting to do. And he says, man, fight the good fight of faith. And I realized my fight isn't with sin. It's not with uh, temptation, the world. It's not with the devil. My fight is to believe that Jesus already won those battles. I don't have, I'm not saying that you don't, um, that you purposely try to sin. I'm, I'm saying that my, when he says fight the good fight of faith, that is me fighting the good fight of believing that I'm free. 
fighting the good fight of faith uh, and saying that I don't have to give over to the things of the world. You know, it's the, the fight for us as Christians is to believe that God has done, will do, and, and, and has already done that which he has said. So I don't have to get caught up and use this strength and man, but you know, have you ever like just went ahead and start fighting against something that Jesus has already paid the price for? It's like, it's not there. I don't have to, all I have to do is just believe that I have victory in his name. And these things are going to become a lot easier for us. And I'm thankful for Rick because you know, even just, man, the layout of the things that you've been teaching us in this journey you've been bringing us on, like, yes, there's more there is more and I want more and and faith it's it's all lining up to where we are right now and it's almost like you know coming through a grocery line I needed to purchase and, and grab hold of there's more and I needed a little bit of faith and I you know and all of these things that he has laid out for us to eat I mean he has set a table for us you know, the Lord has used him to prepare a table for us in the midst of our enemies. And we can look at what he has prepared and eat of it and, and become stronger and, and rely and lean more on the Lord by the things he's laying out for us to eat. It's, you know, fight the good fight of faith fight the good fight of believing that Jesus has already won these battles and we get to partner and step up, uh, step into the promise. Uh, let's see, Jesus. This contrast between, and I encourage you to study this out in your own time. <clears throat> Throughout the book of Psalms, we see this wild contrast between what is for the righteous and for the wicked. And I just wanna look at just Psalm one. I mean, right off rip, let's just go ahead and read this real quick. It says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And this is out of New King James. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river of waters that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. This is the promise for the righteous. So here's what it looks like for the wicked. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at the wicked, the ungodly, and where they stand and how they stand, the Bible says they're like chaff and they're blown away. They're driven away by the wind. I mean, how easy is it for God to just simply blow out the wicked? To me, they seem unmovable. To me, they seem like things will never, they will always be in whatever, they seem more solid than I am sometimes, you know? But he likens them to simply chaff that could be simply blown away by the wind, but the righteous. He also says this, that they will not stand in the judgment. And I thought about this, I was like, Lord, what does that really mean? Jeremiah gives us a great illustration of what the judgment of God is. I think it's chapter four, he says, you shall swear that the Lord, he lives in truth, judgment, and in righteousness. That word judgment, almost every single time throughout the Bible actually means justice. 
So that could also read to say that uh, the ungodly shall not stand in the justice of God. So the things that the, the, the things that are wrong with their life, the, the offenses that are done towards them, they will not see the justice of God in their life. They will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. There is something set aside for us that is completely different than that of the world. And we are going to become very clear very soon of what this looks like. And I'm telling you, I believe that, you know, the Bible, and Phyllis, correct me if I'm wrong, it talks about us in our salvation living in such a way that it literally stirs the Jews to jealousy. Can you imagine like on the other side of the world, us in America living in such a freedom, such a, like God is, is absolutely alive and moving in our land that a small nation on the other side of the world is like, what's going on over there with them people? I, I think I like some of that. <laughs> like we could live in such a freedom and a liberty and a righteousness and a power and a glory that it will stir the Jews to jealousy to want what we have. This is what's set aside for the righteous. Now I'm not saying again that, listen, I know the rain falls on the just and the unjust, but it says this too, that the same winds might come and the same rain might come, but those who build their house on the rock it will not fall. After everything around us that was built on sand, one day I was with the Lord and I said, Lord, what, I know what the rock is. What, what is the sand? And he says, man, it's the judgments of man, it's the fear of man, it's the wisdom of man, it's the, all this stuff that is of man that has no stability when it comes to, the, to crashing things on you. You fall apart, you can't hold up, you, you're washed away with it all. But those who build their house on the rock Man, they will still be standing. We, us, God's people will still be standing. But the way of the ungodly shall perish because there has been the head of an uncircumcised Philistine cut off in our land. And the Lord just wanted to encourage us that he has seen that we had gathered five smooth stones. He saw that we were going to be diligent because, and we weren't afraid of the battle, y'all, because we knew Goliath had four brothers and we were ready. So whatever degree it was like, we chose to stand against things that we knew were a mockery in the face of God. You understand like as a house, as a people, we've collectively chose to stand. And if it wasn't this, it was that. And if it wasn't this, it was that. We've, we had a pocket full of stones. And praise God, the stone had hit the giant in the land. It's almost like we were, we were flinging stones, not, not aimlessly, but the Lord had directed our prayers to, to take out the enemy. You know, Goliath was their best soldier. You know, he was their biggest, their baddest, their best soldier. And he, he makes this prophecy. Can't you see the spirit of Baal even in, Go, in Goliath coming? I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you, David. I'm gonna feed your body to the, to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. And what have we done? We've stood in a place and we've, uh, we've come back. And no, 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 you won't. No, you won't. False prophets of Baal, 
whatever, all these other voices speaking against God's will and against God's people. No, you won't. No, what I say to you is I'm going to go ahead and use your own words against you. I'm going to, I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed your body to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. And what has happened? The, the giant goes down. We take his own sword, cut his own head off, and the entire Philistine army freaks out and takes off. God is holding back. He is withholding things right now that the enemy was, was certain he had on us. The enemy was trying to push us into a time that was not yet in God's sovereign will and sovereign plan. And, and, and it was because of the prayers and the intercession that has gone up. Don't think that what we have done and pressed in and declared and believed for didn't matter. It matters. It absolutely matters. And we get to continue to press in. But now we know, man, that our prayers... Uh, are, are making their way. Not that they did it before. There's no hindrance. You know what I'm saying? The frequency, there's been divine alignment in the spirit. So all the more, can we believe for miracles? Can we believe for the healing and the outpouring? We, we, we stood in a place of not yielding or bending our knee to a false spirit, uh, uh, you know, these lying spirits but how you walk matters. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up. I saw this for the first time. I've never seen this before. The Bible here says in Psalm 1, it says, blessed is a man who does not walk according to the counsel of the ungodly. So we see walking. Then it says, nor do you stand in the path of sinners. Standing. Then it says, nor do you sit in the seat of the scornful. And when I read this and the Lord shows me this instantly, he drops the book of Ephesians into my heart where we see here it talks about walking, standing, sitting. In Ephesians, it talks about sitting, walking, standing. So for the wicked, they are walking along. And next thing you know, you're getting off path because you're listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Now you're standing in the path of sinners, right? You've stopped moving. Now you're kind of like this here looking around and you're in a path of sinners. You're hearing the murmuring. You're hearing the complaining. Now you're starting to murmur. Now you're starting to complain. You hear the fear in the path of sinners. Now you're starting to hear the fear. Well, what happens when you stand for too long? Now what happens? You, and you're carrying all of this, man. You can start to get weary. Next thing you know, you're sitting down. Unmoved. Now you're kind of just watching everything, but you're seated in a place of scornfulness. So here's the worst place to have a seat and be pointing out, hey man, if I were you, this is what I'd do. Oh, uh, you guys are doing it all wrong. You ain't even moving, bro. You're sitting down. You are unmoved for any reason. Scornful, pointing out, but we fall into this trap. But the righteous says this, that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. See, it's the place in, when we are yoked with the Lord, when, when we know our identity, we're seated. This is where we get our authority from. Though the wicked lose their power as they're seated, we gain ours. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are co-heirs with him. Then it says that we walk. So we come from this place of authority, of power, of glory. We begin to walk, but we walk a certain way. It breaks it down for us in chapters three, four, five. It says, man, we walk, we walk in love. We walk in wisdom. We walk in unity. We walk in light. Right, it says these four things, this is how we walk. 
this is, this is the, the confidence. This is the, the righteous being as bold as a lion. You know, the wicked flee when no one chases them. But when you're around a group of people who are walking and know that they are the righteousness of God, I mean, they are walking in a, not in a prideful way, but you are walking with something about you. And then it talks about standing. And this is how I'll close because for the righteous, standing is a, is a position of war. It's a position of battle readiness. It says, after you've done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded yourself up with the full armor of God, having put on your helmet of salvation. Hey, I'm not gonna let those little lies come in. I know that, that you know, the helmet of salvation, I am, I am in Christ, I am born again, I am a new creation. Having, having your breastplate of righteousness, you know, guarding your, your internal, out of your heart flows the issues of life. You wanna guard your heart with all diligence? Put on a breastplate of righteousness. Holding it all together with your belt of truth, knowing, man, that He is grace and He is truth. Shotting your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Taking up your sword of the Spirit, it's the Word of God. Holding up our shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. Seated for the wickedness means that you're sitting here losing yourself. You see, we lose ourself every time we point in scoffulness. We lose a part of our identity. We lose part of our courage. We lose part of our boldness. Every time we sit in a seat of scornfulness and say, this is wrong. Now listen, there's times that things need to be corrected. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you not moving, you joining in with the fear and the complaining and the murmuring, and then you try to, with authority, point out other things, you're losing yourself more and more every single time we do that. But when we're seated with Christ, it's a place of gaining authority. We're walking in love, light, wisdom, unity. And now we're standing, armed and ready for battle. This is the hope that has been given to us oil is being poured out. Listen, I used to think that when, when it talks about the five foolish virgins and the five wise, have you ever tried to get oil when you're dry? Like, it's miserable. It's the, the hardest thing. I mean, I'm like squeezing, every, like I can't get nothing. But oil is being poured upon us. See, it's the goodness and the graciousness of God. He's not gonna tell you to fill your lamp up and then not give you oil. He is pouring out abundance of oil upon us. And I don't wanna take, you know, I've got wounds. I don't wanna, as this oil is pouring over me, I don't wanna try to slap another Band-Aid on another wound. It's not gonna stick anyways. What I'm saying is I wanna stand before the Lord again, trusting Him and being completely vulnerable with my wounds and my rejections and my insecurities and allow not only this oil to heal me, but it also allows the things of the enemy to not be able to stick either. It's filling up our lamps. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for this time in your presence, God. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to stir us up, Lord, stir us up. Let us have eyes to see the battles that you're fighting, Lord, the battles that you've already gained victory in. Let us partner with you in what uh, your heart is set towards, Lord. And God, I pray that we would just posture ourselves in a way that we would be able to not be drunk on wine, but that we would be filled with the fullness of the Spirit. So Lord, I pray that you would fill us afresh and anew this morning.
with the oil and the wine from heaven, Lord. Mm, Jesus, I just bless everybody here today. I pray for angels to be around and about you, and I pray for an awareness of who they are, what their functions are in your life, and that you begin to interact with them. So, Lord, we love you. We bless you. Lord, we thank you for your glory and your presence. Lord, bring increase. In Jesus' name, amen.